Welcome to IB Talk, the leading podcast for the insurance industry across Australia, New Zealand, and throughout the Asia Pacific region. Brought to you by Insurance Business. Hello, and welcome back to IB Talk. I'm Danny Wood, news editor of Insurance Business Australia. Sydney based Robin Johnson is the founder and CEO of Hutch Underwriting. His firm just released a new insurance offering for the construction sector, and given the challenges across the construction sector from rising costs, supply chain issues and insolvencies, it's a good topic area to dig into. Robin Johnson, welcome to IB Talk. Thank you very much, Danny. Very pleased to be here. Great to have you on here. Let's just focus on you for a few minutes. How did you start your insurance career? I guess like most people by accident. I had family insurance connections. My dad was a Lloyd's name and my brother worked in the industry over in the States. Uh, But when I left uni, it was the dot-com boom. And um, it's 1997 and I went straight into tech um, and had a ball for seven years. Um, And then with the dot-com crash, basically all the money went out of it. And I, I wanted to find somewhere more stable to work and found myself a job at um, AIG, slightly ironically, as they, they then went bust about four years later. But um, Nothing to do uh, with you? Nothing to do with me, <laughs> I, I, I hope. But um, yeah, haven't looked back from there. And, and so when did you, you were in London, presumably, for the first part of your career. Uh, you, when did you come out to Australia? So I basically went from London to Kuala Lumpur to um, Singapore, and then and then finally found myself down here in 2015 um, and I came down here with Excel to put Excel and Catlin together um, before we sort of all merged under AXA. And tell us a bit about Hutch Underwriting, when did you found that? So Hutch we founded about a year ago now and we launched in November last year with a with a Resi Strata offering and it's really I guess the combination of my seven years in tech and my have many years in um almost 20 years in insurance, and um, trying to put the two together and come up with something that uses tech to, to give brokers and clients a, a better offering, fundamentally. Mm. So tell us about the coverage areas you focus on. So Strata is obviously one of them. Yeah, so we're with Strata, we're looking at the smaller Strata, so sub $10 million uh, building some insured. Um, and we've chosen that segment because really it, it's – easy to automate or easier to automate the underwriting um, and then we're just about to launch a construction product which again is residential and commercial construction annual only um, and sub 50 million turnover so again we're trying to look at the volume end of the market the end that's perhaps a little easier to um, automate albeit with construction i think we will be far more manual than we are in Strata to begin with. So Strata, we've got something like a 70% automation rate now, and we're able to to then turn around referrals pretty much same day for, for everyone. I think initially construction, we're, we're thinking that'll be more pretty much the other way around. So 70% manual, 30% automated, but we're still looking to give very high levels of, of service with um, hopefully same day um, referral turnarounds, but it does obviously depend on the volumes. It's interesting you can actually put a statistic on the amount of automation. Is that a is that a common thing that underwriters do these days? Like when you say 70% automated, is that that's industry lingo? No, not at all. It wouldn't be something that most people would 
focus on, but it's very much what we found the business with the objective of achieving. So um, we would like to get Strata to a 90% automation rate. And our thinking is that the more automated we are, the more consistent our underwriting is, the better our data will be, the better our loss ratio will be, but then also the better the experience is for the broker. So, you know, obviously getting a quote in four minutes, which you can do with our, our Ebix Sunrise integrated system is uh, for a very positive experience for a broker, um, rather than with some of our competitors, they're waiting, waiting two to four weeks for a quote. And so we think that gives us a big competitive edge, both on that distribution side, but also on the data and therefore the loss ratio side. Tell us about what's still unautomated in Strata. So what, what does the 30% cover? Uh, really, it's accounts with significant claims and um, significant defects and things that you really want an underwriter to just have a look at. Um, and I guess our, our alternatives there are just to just decline any complexity. Um, but obviously, that is with in Strata, there are so so many stratas do have uh, a volume of claims because of the very low deductibles, and obviously, you know, defects are a well-known issue in strata. Um, so declining that that subset would probably be losing a large segment of the market. So we we just get an underwriter to look at them. I noticed in your your media release you talked about the very tight construction market. Uh, from your perspective as an underwriter, what do you see as some of the big challenges right now? I mean. It is an extremely tight market. You know, the reality is that over the last sort of four, five years, there's been an enormous amount of capacity that has exited the market, both on the material damage side, but also on the liability side. I think, you know, the losses that insurers have experienced have been on the MD side, it's largely been down to massively underpricing risk on mega projects um, and then getting hit by huge a huge tail on these long and highly complex projects on the liability side clearly a lot's been written about work to work claims and work to work claims have always been problematic in in australia but um they've really blown out in the last five years um and, and are really driving liability loss ratios and so and that's driven a lot of capacity out of the liability market so i think Actually, if you if you kind of cut through all of the different brands in the market um, and you look at broker binders and MGAs, really almost all of them on the liability side are backed by one Australian insurer. Um, so we're we're hoping to bring a bit of healthy competition back to the market um, and hoping we can uh, select and, and price our way through some of the difficulties. Mm, that that whole liability question is an interesting one, and and some stakeholders in the construction space, but also in public liability liability generally, are calling for a, a government-backed public liability scheme. What, what do you make of that, and do you think that could work? Would it would it help? I guess it depends on what your objective is. Um, you know, liability insurance is getting particularly expensive for firms that have a poor track record and. I suppose the question is whether that's desirable. On the one hand, it promotes a better safety culture, um, but on the other hand, it um, stymies profits. So, you know, certainly the current situation is putting safety right at the front of mind for high risk industries such as construction, healthcare, childcare, and so on. You know, if it were to be nationalised, I think the likely outcome of nationalising public liability would be to transfer the cost from policyholders to taxpayers. 
Um, and that's what we've seen with workers' comp, with iCare continually being bailed out by the tax taxpayer. If that's the intent, um, I mean, it sounds a bit perverse to me, but if that's the, the intent, then I'm sure it could be very successful. Um, I don't think it would even be very complicated. I think you could just prevent workers' comp insurers from recovering in worker-to-worker -worker cases, and then, you know, bingo, you've transferred the liability to the state. It sounds like you're not very in favour of it. I guess I sell insurance for a living, so <laughs> I, don't, I don't think nationalising my industry would, would be in my interests, but I don't really think it would be in the country's interests either. Um, I think you you lose the nuanced pricing that prices risks, uh, not in a mutual way, but in a competitive market to penalise people that don't manage their risks well and to, to reward companies that do manage their risk well with lower premiums. Um, and I don't see any government scheme possibly replicating the private market in that respect. I think it's a actually a wonderful thing and it's made the world a lot safer having mandatory in insurance and priced by private companies. Fixed price contracts seem to be a really big issue for builders. Is there a solution to that? Is that going to settle down now that COVID's gone and presumably supply chains are getting back to normal? I mean, yeah. Look, I don't think I don't think you're seeing many fixed price contracts with with no escalation clauses being being um, entered into these days. Um, obviously, um, everybody's aware of inflation now and and they're taking um, actions to to manage their risk. Uh, I guess. The pain that we're seeing is is really just the consequence of of everything working through the system from um, a couple of years ago. But um, we we think the underlying issues are largely dealt with. So as I say, contract T's and C's have, have been amended, and um, input price inflation has dropped from 17% a year ago to 11% now, or last quarter. Um, so it's pretty much halved. And so yeah, we think the pain is largely behind us. You know, obviously, that's probably cold comfort for anyone that, that's lost their deposit to one of these large home builders who've, who've gone bust recently. But um, there are state schemes that are supposed to protect consumers from the impact of insolvency. And I think questions need to be asked about why they haven't provided the intended pr protection and whether that's about a design issue or an enforcement issue or or just illegality on the path, part of the um the construction firms. What more can be done in terms of, I guess, chasing up and helping people who've suffered because of builders going bankrupt and the insurance not working out? Um, I'm not sure there's much the insurance industry can do. You know, what we've seen with at least one of these recent insolvencies is that the construction firm was not buying the appropriate insurance at the point that they received the deposit they were holding off. Um, and I guess, you know, the question is whether that was legal or not. But I don't think that's something that the insurance market really can comment on or deal with. It's more for the police and the courts, I think. One of the things you've done, Robin, with both of your offerings in, in Strata and construction is to include cyber coverage in there. Is that that's a fairly unusual thing to do in the construction sector? Oh, well, it's unique in both Strata and in construction, I think. Across the whole market, um, you'll see universally that, that those policies would have a cyber exclusion um, and no coverage at all. And we've we've gone the other way and 
we, we have included specific sublimits for cyber coverage um, uh, around cyber fraud. So loss of funds in, in a cyber fraud uh, and also cyber liability in particular, losing third party data um, uh, and then defence costs in handling any claim that comes out of that. We think these are you know, important protections for clients. The, the sorts of clients that we deal with typically is too small to be able to buy um, a standalone cyber policy. Uh, and so if they don't have the coverage we're offering, they typically won't have any coverage. Um, particularly relevant right now with this you know, wave of cybercrime that's, that's hitting Australia. Is there much difference between that sort of cyber protection that's folded into your kind of your coverage and the sort of coverage that a firm would have as a separate standalone cyber coverage? Yeah, I mean, the, the, so our, our limits are, are very small, um, uh, frankly, you know, we're, we're, we're offering in, in Strata, we're offering up to 25,000 and in um, uh, construction, we're offering up to 10K. Uh, we think those are appropriate limits, but they are they're, they're relatively small, um, and our coverage is really restricted to that to two points: the defence costs in a in a in a loss of data um, claim, and secondly, loss of funds from a cyber fraud. What we're not covering there is in a liability claim the actual settlement, if there were any, um, and in a uh, we wouldn't, for instance, pick up a ransom attack or something like that. And that would be something that if, if a client wanted that coverage, they'd have to go and buy a, a standalone um, policy. But, you know, nonetheless, they're, they're, we're now offering those, our coverage, it's built in and standard in the policy. So there's no additional charge to obtain. Robin Johnson, CEO of Hutch Underwriting. Thanks very much for sharing some time with IB Talk. Thanks, Danny. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to IB Talk. For the latest episodes, be sure to follow us on SoundCloud, Stitcher and Apple Podcasts.